Blog Talk Radio. dedicate 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Um, a little over a year ago, we embarked on this enterprise, and we've had a lot of really, really interesting discussions, and um, we've spoken to school board members and, and authors uh, alike, and so um, today is no exception. We um, are going to talk about um, the Common Core and we, we have some, some really great um, people with us today. Um, and, um, and with this national debate that's, that's underway, we, we have people who are, are involved um, right at the beginning of, of this work. And so today we have with us Mr. Ken Matthews, uh, who is a supervisor of mathematics uh, for New Haven, uh, Connecticut Public Schools. Uh, he oversees the math curriculum and instruction in, in uh, about 50 schools for 21,000 students. Uh, his principal charge is to raise achievement in math, close achievement gaps in, uh, among impoverished and minority students, and prepare students for higher education and careers. Uh, so welcome, Ken. Thank you very much. Uh, we also have uh, Ms. Sandy Battle. I'm sorry, Bartle, sorry, uh, who is a senior uh, academic officer with Carnegie Learning. Uh, Sandy has spent um, um, 14 years as a high school math teacher, uh, a department chair and a, a math coach. Um, and in her current role as a senior academic officer um, uh, with Carnegie Learning, she uh, co-authors curricula and ensures that uh, the best of academic research on teaching and learning uh, theory is directly uh, applied to the needs of, of teachers. And so also welcome, Sandy. Thanks. Um, you know, we I've invited both of you here today you know, just to have a conversation about Common Core. Um, uh, and so I, I, I'll start by um, asking Sandy, if you would, um, just for our listeners out there, and there are a lot of uh, school board members, even parents, who have heard bits and pieces about Common Core, um, would, I'm sure, love to hear, um, if you could, just a quick synopsis of so what is Common Core and specifically what it is in math? What are we talking about practically? What, what would people really need to know about it? Okay, well, you know, essentially when you think about the Common Core State Standards Initiative, I think it's important to remember kind of the foundation that it's a state-led effort that was coordinated by the National Government Association and the Council of chief uh, state school officers. And they, the standards were essentially developed in a collaborate, collaborative effort with teachers and school administrators and experts in the fields of, you know, mathematics and teaching and learning to provide uh, a clear kind of and more consistent framework across our country to help prepare our students essentially for college as well as the workforce. Um, I think that's the essence of what the standards are. And when we start thinking about 
um, how do we look at the Common Core standards and specifically mathematics, there are two major components that we think about, um, especially from, from a publisher standpoint, which is the lens that I view, but then as far as um, how schools and teachers and parents should be looking at it. One is within the Common Core state standards, there's, they've outlined eight standards for mathematical practice. And those are essentially the expertise that we that they are seeking and we are seeking to develop in our students around the processes and the important processes and proficiencies um, that have a long-standing importance in math education. They are uh, developed and continue to develop from the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics process standards, as well as different strands of mathematical proficiency that uh, was put out in the National Research Council's report adding it up. So that's the first part. That's really the essence of how we want mathematics instructions. That's the pedagogical approach. And then the second part of the standards document really is the what. That's the content that was developed or that's put out and the specificity of what mathematics we want students to be able to know and do at each grade level. So I think it's important to understand that there are two major components, the what and as well as the how um, in regards to these standards. Okay. And, um, you know, one of the – now as we talk about specifically mathematics, um, yes. um, could you tell me just a little bit about – uh, and I know there's a wide range of, of standards, um, but so what's different? I mean, what, what is it that's so different now um, with these standards and what used to be? Tell, tell me a little bit about what, what might be included at a couple of levels of these standards that, that uh, might uh, not have been included. Well, I think the um, couple of major kind of truly evidence-based um, design pr principles that the standards are are put out under. And that's the idea that it's, um, you know, for many, many years, uh, different national reports have called for a, a greater focus in uh, U.S. math education and that we're not preparing students um, to take on some of the, you know, the mathematics and engineering and STEM-related uh, jobs in our country. And so, a couple of the things that are, you know, really prominently different is that it, this, these standards call for a more focus. So it's about not having a mile wide and an inch deep, but how do you take a fewer standards at each grade level and help students really develop a deeper understanding of that mathematics at those grade levels. What, and the other thing that's important in the standards is this idea of coherence. How do you think about linking the math that students are learning in sixth grade to seventh grade and seventh to eighth and so on so that they have this idea of sense-making and can make connections along the way as well as increase the rigor. And when you talk about rigor in, in different settings, some, you know, it's about the interpretation of what that means. But the, the idea behind rigor, as we see it as a publisher within the standards and making sure that we're developing instructional materials that meet these different design principles, it's about how do you involve both a conceptual understanding of the mathematics for students as well as their ability to do procedures, which is more skill-based. So as, 
in conjunction with being able to apply that mathematics into real-world situations. I mean, our ultimate goal is that we're trying to get students to think and, you know, and to prepare those guys for not just, you know, the workforce and college and career, but we're trying to prepare students for, quite frankly, jobs that we don't even know exist yet. And how do we make sure that they have those types of connections and, and can see the sense in mathematics along the way? And so in those regards, I think that's really the emphasis behind what's going on. And then to do that, where teachers and students are struggling in this um, transition to the Common Core is we're what we're asking is for them to do more thinking and writing and explaining, justifying. It's no longer just acceptable that they can, you know, have a rote memory of different procedures and skills. We want them to be able to generalize and to expand. And when you look at some of the assessment items that are being put out there by the two different consortia, it, we're really trying to raise that level of thinking for our students and, uh, and move away from just telling kids it's about the process and understanding why things work. Sure, sure. So, Ken, Can I add uh, to that? Yes, sure. Go right ahead. Well, Sandy, you're doing a great job. You're very eloquent, uh, and I'm very impressed. As a practitioner, um, one way I like to explain this to, to teachers is it's not enough to for students just to have math skills. Uh, for so many years, that's all we assessed and that's all we expected. Uh, now students need to have those skills with fluency and automaticity. And that's just the baseline. From there, they need to take those skills and be able to apply them to problem-solving situations, both routine problems and non-routine problems. And then we expect them to be able to connect uh, various branches of mathematics uh, in, in terms of big ideas. So, so it, it's a pyramid that first starts with um, skill, then moves up to application, and finally to the conceptual understanding that Sandy spoke about. Well, Ken, you you you're right on track of what I, where I was going to ask you next. So, but but so you've talked about uh, uh, depth, you've talked about automaticity, you've talked about a lot of things that you know teachers know and understand. Now, what I want you to do is tell me a little bit though. What does that look like? Now, Ken, you you I know you've been at it for a number of years. Uh, in terms of you've seen kind of what we used to do as well uh, in in math and how we approached mathematics education and and now we you know we have standards based approach is that what's so different now and and I'm just talking about what does it look like um, in in the fifth grade as an example um, when you say things like we want them to go deeper we want them to understand and real life skills um, you know uh, it's funny here I was walking around in New York. City, and um, I, I saw a guy with a, a hilarious T-shirt, and he it said um, another day, and I still didn't use algebra, and <laughs> and, and so and and so because you know they always say you're going to use this one day, and I think he probably did use it several times, but just doesn't know that he's using algebra. So tell us, you know, in in kind of plain terms, though, what does it look like when someone is going deeper? Um, at that, say, fifth grade level versus what we used to do um, and, and, and with, with just some very basic um, uh, skills of, of how to solve problems, but how, what does application look like in fifth grade or tenth grade? Tell, tell me about that. Okay. Well, when I think fifth grade, I think of some of the major foci or um, rational numbers in the form of decimals and fractions, everybody's favorite fractions. 
And in order for students to really gain a deep understanding, um, we have to start with concrete manipulatives. So hands-on blocks and models and bars and e virtual manipulatives in, in the form of electronics using, using interactive whiteboards, um, also known as smart boards. Uh, students really need to understand fractions at a concrete stage. From there, we move to a pictorial stage where they're solving problems with fractions, but we do a gradual release with the manipulatives and we help them to rely on sketches. So they're, they're drawing pictures that first look like the manipulatives and then move toward more abstract uh, replications in order to save time. And then finally, when they have a, a deep um, skill base at the pictorial level, we move them into the abstract understanding where they can actually use fractions and they can see a fraction or, or do operations to add, subtract, multiply, and divide fractions where they really have a deep understanding of what that means and where it is applied and, and how it's used to solve problems in society. Um, so I hope that and, and, answers your question. No, 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 that helps. That helps a lot. And um, just thinking about that, I, I um, had a conversation this morning, and I'm sure both of you can probably identify with this, with one of my colleagues, uh, actually a principal in uh, Connecticut. And she said, you know, um, you know, I'm all for a common core. I'm all for standards. Um, you know, the issue for me is what are we going to do about um, existing teachers and making sure that they have the instructional capacity um, to pull this off um, and that they've, you know, many have, did not get trained in a way to teach this way. And so, um, and so the frustration has been for some that there are a lot of teachers that will introduce this, but they, they, they just can't, you know, kind of bring it home. Um, what have been some of your experiences with that? Can I answer that first, Andy? Yes, yes absolutely. Yep. All right, thank you. So that's, it, it's a very difficult um, problem that you're posing here, Brian, and we're finding that at the kindergarten, first and second grade level, um, we're not seeing such, such a big issue because teachers are used to doing small group work and interventions and understanding um, how to teach students with concrete models and moving to the pictorial. Uh, where the rubber hits the road is around third to fifth grade where teachers tend to be generalists. They may have only had one or two math courses in college, and they don't have a deep conceptual understanding that they need to have in order to teach mathematics at a deeper level. So we are providing, um, well, we've known for about four years now that the standards were coming and that they weren't going away, and we embrace that and we're happy about it. So we've been providing ongoing professional development, um, both differentiated for teachers who need more and universal for uh, so that we can all be on the same page moving toward a common direction. Um, we've One excellent program that we've dealt with in New Haven Public Schools is the Intel Learning Model where we enroll teachers from third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade and, and they take basically a university course that's designed just for them to help with their content knowledge and some instructional strategies. Um, math coaches are now more widespread. In New Haven, we have a math coach in every building. Uh, elementary and middle schools, and, and these professionals really work with teachers on their pedagogy, their content knowledge, and their instructional strategies. Okay, excellent. Uh, Sandy? Yeah, I'd like to add to that. So I think it's really important to understand that standards alone, just by themselves, cannot can't raise the achievement. It really is about what the teachers are doing, what the um, educational leaders, like you know, Ken, for instance, and his district and the principals play uh, an important p 
part in that, as well as folks like Carnegie Learning and the publishers out there. Are we writing the, you know, have we done our homework and looked at the standards and understand what they are and unpack those and are providing instructional materials that drive the intent of the language of the standards? And I think what I've found and we have found as a company, and I've been at this with Carnegie Learning for over 13 years and have spent a tremendous amount of time nationally in and out of classrooms. And what, have, what seems to resonate a lot is teachers teach the way they were taught. And so you have to kind of get teachers to this point of how do you provide the professional development like Ken is speaking about, and we do this within our company and others as well, where you take teachers and kind of what does that feel like as a teacher now? Put them in the, in the and as a learner, and how can they experience the mathematics that they're trying to get across to their students in this standards-based way? So they get the idea it's not just a checklist. It's about how do we think about the big ideas, and as the standards lay out, what are the big critical areas in each grade level, and how can I focus around these critical areas and make connections for my students? And it is about helping them, in fact, gain their own profound understanding, and as you know, Ken kind of mentioned, a deep conceptual understanding of the mathematics at their level. You know, many teachers learn from an algorithmic perspective first. And if they, if we only learn, and he was talking about, you know, kind of division and using models and manipulatives in order to drive understanding, I think there's this sense out there in the, you know, around with folks that models are only for the students that don't get it. Well, that's not true. It's around helping students see things and understand where algorithms come from and what that looks like and so that they can generalize and move on. And it's very critical that teachers have ongoing, as Ken said, we work with school districts around the country that are transitioning to the Common Core Standards. And for the last two or three years, they've dedicated in the places we've seen a lot of successes. They're dedicating their dollars and their time into their instructors and their teachers and getting them the understanding that they need. And also, I think it's very important for teachers to not just know what's going on within the specificity of their grade level, but they need to understand the two or two grade levels below them as well as above them so they can help students make these connections and bring these standards and these strands of thinking to life um, as the students move from grade level to grade level. Sandy, can I add to that? Sure. Um, you struck a chord with me when you said that, you know, districts are investing in their teachers. Um, and I do agree with you that that's necessary. But what's also necessary is to invest in um, software and um, textual materials that are aligned with Common Core and that give teachers and students a, a baseline of, okay, what, what direction am I really going in? And there's, there's so many products out there that claim to be Common Core but really aren't. And, and there are just a few that, that are truly Common Core and truly you know, represent inch wide and mile deep. Um, at the same time, some of the, if, we, if we expect to use 20th century materials and texts to teach 21st century Common Core, it's just not going to work. I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the instructional materials that schools and, and teachers use have to have that in, those embedded mathematical practices 
um, around helping students make sense of problems, attend to precision, looking for patterns, and so on and so forth. That has to be innately in the instructional materials so teachers don't have to spend their time recreating and crafting um, materials that they can focus on how to incorporate a student-centered classroom, how do we get conversations going with students to explain and justify their reason and, and do those um, types of things. It's critical. Yeah, I uh, really appreciate that. Um, uh, for those of you who are just uh, joining in, you've uh, joined the Perkins Platform, where our conversation today is about the common core focus of uh, mathematics. We have with us Mr. Ken Matthews, uh, Supervisor of uh, Math in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and we have uh, Ms. Sandy Bartle, who is the Senior Academic Officer with uh, Carnegie Learning. And so we've just been talking a little bit about common core in math and, and, and some of the challenges and what we're hearing from from uh, um, from the teacher's perspective, um, uh, I, I'd be also interested in hearing, um, um, Sandy. I know you've you've had um, quite a bit of experience working with a, a, a host of superintendents around the country. Um, what, what's been some of the feedback you, you've received from superintendents about either the difficulties, uh, the success stories in their districts, or, and challenges in their districts in, in implementing uh, the uh, uh, the mandates of the Common Core Math? Well, I think, you know, Ken alluded to some of the challenges that school districts are having, that how do they evaluate and, you know, look at and purchase instructional materials that are driving, you know, the the language of the standards, both the how and the what, I think, are the the some of the concerns that are out there with um, superintendents and how do they in school districts in general, how do they get their teachers um, focusing on, you know, going deeper with some of these concepts as opposed to just, you know, standing and delivering and um, disseminating the information from a surface level. I mean, some of those, you know, those are some of the issues uh, that are taking place. And it really needs to be if they're, you know, again, I I can't stress enough that, you know, the superintendents in the school districts that are being successful or have strong leaders that have, are committed to change within a school district and, and seeing that through. Yes, and we, we have uh, just under 10 minutes remaining, and so I want to invite our guests uh, who are listening, who are interested in calling in. If you have a question, um, you can dial in at 347-826-9029. Again, 347-826-9029 is the phone number. Uh, received a number of uh, emails from listeners who also requested that um, they be allowed to send in uh, emails if they're not where they can phone in. And so uh, please feel free to do that. You can do so at BP58. BP, the number BP, the letters BP and then 58 at Columbia.edu. Feel free to send in an email or call us at 347-826-9029. And so, um, Ken, I I also want to ask you, um, uh, um, from from the district implementation uh, perspective, um, in your district, for example, were there um, kind of public meetings 
um, to to bring the public, but more specifically parents, up to speed about. So you're going to hear a lot on the news because there's been a lot <laughs> on the news about Common Core. Not very many people do a really good job of kind of breaking it down and letting them know why this is and what's going on. Um, did, did your district do any such uh, uh, kind of public information or presentation at board meetings or what have you to let the public know what the Common Core and math was? You name it, we did it. We had parent nights at schools. We went to the churches. We went to uh, shopping centers, and you know we really wanted to get the, the message out. Um, and while there was a little bit of concern, uh, mostly the message that we're getting is that um, the majority of job opportunities available to students when they're ready to enter the workforce are going to be STEM jobs, jobs in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And there's a certain, not just skill set, but problem-solving set that children need to have in order to um, acquire STEM jobs and therefore have a nice quality of life, uh, break the cycle of poverty from which so many of them come, and really ha have uh, be able to take care of their families. And it's really the common course state standards for mathematics that are going to elevate those students and make them competitive on a worldwide competitive market um, to land those STEM jobs and to have, have a good quality. So the buy-in's been pretty easy because we've taken it through that lens. And you know, um, I, I, go ahead, go ahead, um, Sandy. Well, I would, I would just like to add, you know, to what Ken is talking about and even, you know, in my last response, I think from the leadership perspective, it, you know, it's about making schools and your, you know, your parents and your community aware of the changes in the standards, but it's also very important, you know, as folks like Ken are, are leading through this change, and change takes time, and there will be some criticism around scores dipping because of new assessments and things along those lines, and that's a part of the change effort that I think we're going through, and as leaders, we really have to know how to manage through that and set the appropriate expectations that this will, in fact, lead to a greater student achievement. You know, if we put the right materials in place because there is a problem. I mean, the problem around when we talk about proficiency that, you know, there's lots of recent research that talk, you know, only 35% of eighth graders score at or above a proficiency level um, at their particular grade. There are big problems that we have to solve as far as our students being prepared for these future jobs and the STEM jobs that are out there. And it's about, you know, using good research and um, evidence-based instructional materials and putting those in place to drive that type of change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I do have a, an email that uh, just arrived, um, and uh, I, I'll uh, open it uh, to either of you that um, love to have you respond. It says, um, I live in Louisiana and have three uh, children, eighth, fifth, and second grade in the public school system here. Our state has just instituted the Common Core curriculum this year. What I'm finding is that there are issues with implementing this method of teaching. Teachers aren't happy because they have to teach differently. It is difficult for some students to adjust to this method, and there are no plans to bring those up to speed who do not adapt. My question is, for those students that aren't up to speed, how do you approach those falling in the gap, considerably those that are in the later grades, eighth and up, who are on the cusp of the old system and the new system? How do you make sure that no child is left behind with core curriculum? Okay, I'm on the edge of my seat ready to answer that. Sorry, I, I jumped <laughs> go in, ahead, Sandy. Ken. No, um, go ahead. 
this is a matter of intervention, and we cannot implement a new curriculum with have, without having intervention safety nets in place. And to me, they work best when they are adaptive. By adaptive, I mean we test students and we understand where their levels of understanding are. And there is lots of software programs out there that are adaptive, um, and but the best ones are the ones that engage kids. So we engage kids. Suppose we have a kid in ninth grade working on the sixth grade level. Well, we provide him with engaging software that meets him where he is and accelerates him through more than one year of learning in one year. In addition to the interventions, um, they obviously need to have a, a good core curriculum of teachers who have bought in and have been trained well to teach this to uh, help facilitate that acceleration. It, it sounds like um, it's not a well-laid plan down there where that uh, parent is from. I could just give one example. Uh, in New Haven Public Schools, we have all of our ninth graders are taking either al Algebra one or Geometry. Geometry if they had their, al their Algebra in eighth grade. And for students who are behind, they take two credits of mathematics, the Algebra one course and an Algebra one lab. And in the lab course, they're working with adaptive software. They're working with um, best practice strategies to, like I said before, accelerate more than one year of learning in one year and to really be prepared for what they're going to encounter in their Algebra one classes. Sandy? Anything? Well, I think, yeah, I, absolutely. So that's, plan, you know, and I couldn't agree with Ken Moore, that's, that's planning on behalf of the schools and districts. And, and really, and what we're trying to do is standards, you know, different states had standards before, and now that we're moving to these kind of the Common Core standards, which, you know, sets the stage across um, all of the states that adopted, things have shifted grade level to grade level depending on what state you're, you're in. So there has to be a transition plan put in place by each state, each district, around how they can handle some of the standards that have maybe moved so that there's not gaps for particular students. And in some regards, these are not new problems. Students are behind at grade level and have been for years. And again, what are the instructional materials and how are the teachers, do they have professional development and, and knowledge to help those students make those connections and gain that time? You know, um, as Ken mentioned, you know, what are the different intervention services and the materials that they're using? Um, so it's really around knowledge of those standards and how they've shifted from where they were before and in this transition period so um, we get students on, on this track. Wow. Yes, absolutely, and I'm going to tell you, this, this, uh, the last um, 30 minutes have gone incredibly fast, and so I just want to really let both of you know that I appreciate you being on the show, uh, and thanks to our guests for tuning in this month, um, and we want you to know you can join us again uh, next month on November the 13th. Um, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, where we're going to have a conversation um, with um, a, a group of experts talking about uh, school readiness. Um, our show will be what children need to know and be able to... Sandy, it was great being in your company again. Yeah, thanks, Ken. I really appreciate really, that a lot. Really to have you on the show. Thanks so much. And thanks, Ryan. Go well, stay well.